tonight's New Testament reading is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. You can find it on page 2 of your bulletins. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me as we pray? We're grateful that you are the God that speaks. We're grateful that um, we are not alone in the universe and you are not silent. How could you be? Would you open up our ears, open up our hearts so we can hear from you? Each of us needs to hear something different. Holy Spirit, we trust that you can do that work. We have faith in you. You've been here the entire time. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Well, last week we started a new series which is essentially about how do we care for one another. And the way we're doing it is by looking at what are called the one another passages. In scripture, last week we started with honor one another. And this week we're going to look at live in harmony with one another or what I'm calling harmonize with one another. And as I was thinking about that idea of harmony, my mind went to a scene in the film Spinal Tap. Uh, has anybody seen that film? Okay, oh, good, good. Uh, so it's not gonna be a total flop. Um, so it, it's the scene where um, this is an aging metal band and they decide to go visit Elvis's grave. And uh, you know, they're standing before the grave and one of them begins to try to sing Heartbreak Hotel, you know, out of memory to Elvis. And one of the other band members thinks, well, I'll join in with Harmony. And, you know, for the next three minutes, it's just a failure. It's just complete, you know, he keeps, since my baby, since, since my, and they're getting angry at one another, and finally one of them curses, and then the, another band member says, hey, watch your language, we're in the presence of the king. You know, I, uh, I, I couldn't help but think, this is how the church must look sometimes to God, Right? Uh, you know, here we are uh, before the king, trying to harmonize together, struggling to do it, losing it, right? But still trying. Why? Because on the one hand, we were made for connection. We hunger for harmony. We can't get away from it. In fact, when we experience it, 
whether it's in a small cluster of our friends or maybe on a special day with our family, there's nothing as sweet as that. There's nothing like it. But at the same time, man, it's so difficult. It's not natural. With the entrance of sin into the world and our own hearts, harmony is no longer natural. In fact, oftentimes we find disharmony, disunity, divisiveness. And I think if we're honest, divisiveness and disharmony is something that we don't like. It troubles us, but we'll tolerate it. Meaning it's not that big of a deal, except when you read the Bible. Listen to a few of these verses. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Another verse. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Yikes. And then there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Now, what seven things would you put on a list that's abominable to God? This is God's list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among his brothers. Wow. That's a big deal. You know, and it may happen in small ways, little complaints or gossip or an all-out, I'm going to get someone to my side so I can go against somebody else. But this also raises a question, right? Because after all, people in Washington are practical to a degree. And uh, wanting to say, you yeah, know, this idea of all of us agreeing, come on. You know, that starts to sound like a cult. That sounds like some sort of regime that requires everything. Well, if you read a little bit further in the book of Romans, just a couple chapters, what you find is actually Paul talking about there are a whole lot of other secondary issues where there's lots of diversity of opinion and practice. But on the primary issues, he's saying don't give up on it. Hold on to it. Fight for it. Fight for harmony on those issues. You must. And so, how do we do that? That's what I want to spend a few minutes looking at this evening. How do we do that? How do we harmonize with one another? And I want to mention two ways. Hearing harmony and singing harmony. Learning to hear harmony and learning to sing harmony. Now, if you want to learn harmony, a good place to start is to listen to a group that sings it real well. Maybe it's the Pentatonics, maybe it's Take Six, maybe it's the Eagles, maybe it's Boys to Men, right? Whatever your, your taste is. Well, the good news is when it comes to us learning how to harmonize in the way God wants, we have, we have the best super group around. It's called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the ones, and as we transcribe them, as we transcribe their music and the way they harmonize, we begin to get a vision. I mean, first of all, 
we see what's really at the foundation of their ability are three points. And these are really, if you wanna have, um, if you wanna know or articulate uh, what is an historic orthodox view of God from the Bible, you gotta have these three things. Number one, there is one God. Number two, the Father, Son, and Spirit are each God. And number three, the Father, Son, and Spirit are each a distinct person in the Godhead. Now, that's a bunch of theology, but what does it mean? It means because of that, they are perfect in unity and diversity. Perfect in unity and diversity together, and therefore can harmonize better than anybody else. Now, as we look at that, there's two things about their harmony which I think is helpful. One is they can't help but sing as one. They can't help but sing as one together. Uh, even if they focus on their own note or sing solo, they're mindful of the other. For instance, take the great creed and confession in uh, Israel, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, Right? Every kid in, in Israel could speak about that. They could recite that. That was like concrete creed in Israel. But then you can hear the tunes that Jesus sings, like this one. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, and then he repeats, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Now, on one hand, you read these things and you think, well, that's easy for God. He's got perfect pitch, right? I mean, it's easy for him to harmonize. But this is the good news. The Christian faith teaches that that one God indwells those that believe in him. That when you get connected to God through Jesus Christ, that one God becomes present and changes everything, becomes the dominant nature in you. It's sort of like wanting to be a great singer all your life but being tone deaf and waking up one morning and realize, I've got the ability. I've got the natural ability. Now, you still have to work on it, but the ability's there. For those that believe in Christ... The oneness of God is already present there. This is why the Bible never tells Christians to create oneness. It only tells Christians to maintain oneness, to guard oneness, because it's already there. It's already in you. It's already in me. That ought to encourage us. We can harmonize together because we have the voice of God in our community. But there's a second thing. The Trinity, even when they sing solo, are mindful of the other parts. They're mindful of the others. Now, I played saxophone from fourth grade through uh, senior in high school. And one thing you learn playing in a section or singing in a section is you've got to learn to blend, right? I mean, we all have our distinct sound, but, you know, if you decide, well, man, I'm going to really let go with vibrato, you're going to ruin the blend. People are going to be like, I can hear that person with their vibrato. There's this way where the distinction is there, but the oneness is in perfect balance together. 
And you find this each as you look at the Trinity in Scripture. For instance, the Holy Spirit, as He is poured out and He speaks, is always reminding us of what Jesus sang. And then when Jesus shows up, the eternal God on earth shows up, what does He say? I don't sing my own song, I sing the song of the Father. I only teach what the Father has given me to teach. And then, on the mountain transfiguration, where Jesus is, you know, we see his divine nature let loose and he's shining. What does the Father do? The Father shows up and says to the apostles, this is my son, listen to him. Listen to his song. They're constantly doing this, even when they solo. Their notes seek to enhance and support the other. Uh, maybe we could use the word glorify. They glorify one another. Now, one of the things that happens when you come to know God through Christ and you live longer, uh, the longer you live in your faith, the more beautiful a wide range of people become to you. You know, the person that you used to make fun of in junior high, the person that you dismissed, the person that annoys you, what you find is you begin to hear their notes. You begin to see the beauty and the glory in them. It's really a remarkable thing. We probably don't talk enough about it. I mean, I think about the person who I was before I converted to Christianity. And the, well, how do you say that? Without, now look at me, right? You know, I'm just telling you, I don't have to let you into what a nasty, annoying person, agitator person I was. And my friends, you know, we made a part-time hobby of just like anybody that walked by. You know, I've already told you about that. I've, so anyway, this is one of the things that happens as we watch, we hear harmony. But let me move on to singing harmony. Hit these two points. Singing harmony, what does that mean? It means appreciating new notes. Now, if you follow the history of classical music or jazz, there's these epochs where the composer or the improviser will introduce new harmony that hasn't been heard before. And it creates new tension, and many times it's just flat out rejected. You know, people go, that's bad, that's wrong, or what they'll say is it's evil. Well, God does this, the great composer, in the first century with the early church. I mean, the songbook that had been going on for the longest time, right, was the songbook of Israel. The people of Israel. Now, there was always a presence of non-Jewish people in Israel, but, you know, it wasn't that many. You hear a couple notes here and a couple notes there. And if they came in, they had to basically come in and learn the songbook of Israel. But then, in the New Testament, after Jesus Christ comes and he raises from the dead and the Holy Spirit comes, he brings a flood of new harmony upon the community of God. The nations come in. The Gentiles come in. And with that, there becomes tension. There becomes difficulty. The beliefs and practices bring tension. And so there has to be some new categories for harmony. New categories and a new tone. One of those categories was strong of faith and weak of faith. Now, that doesn't mean what we typically 
think it means, you know, strong of faith. It's someone they just, you know, they're, they're all in for God, weak of faith. Come on, you're so afraid. This had more to do with the way you lived out your preferences. So let me give you an example. Uh, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that after I had become a Christian, um, I adopted the belief at some point that um, all music had to be explicitly about God. All music had to be, how you doing? Welcome. All music had to be explicitly about God. So I couldn't embrace this idea that whatever is true and whatever is good and whatever is beautiful is from God. I was weak of faith. I was weak of faith because I couldn't see God's harmony. I couldn't see the greater music that was playing. Now, the way this played out in the early church was this. On, the, uh, on both the Jewish side and the Gentile side, you had those that were weak of faith. How do I mean? Well, you had those that grew up with all the traditions of Judaism, and they wanted to have everybody do them. So as the nations came in, they said, hey, we want you to do these traditions as well, even though Christ had fulfilled them. And then on the Gentile side, you see the Gentiles were part of these temples and mystical rites where they would sacrifice meat to gods. And so on the Gentile side, you had weak believers saying, listen, when you go into a market, you need to ask, was this sacrificed? Or if you go to a dinner, you shouldn't eat of it. Both were weak in faith. Whereas the strong in faith would do this. The strong in faith would say, listen, yeah, I want to continue to observe the holy days. I want to continue to observe the Passover. But I'm not going to impose it on other people. And where the Gentiles would say, listen, the strong in faith there would say, listen, this meat was dedicated to some gods. There is only one God but one. There's only the Lord. And so... What's the issue with that? Don't worry about it. But there was tension. Now, last night, my wife and I were watching um, One Night in Miami. Has anybody seen that movie? It's a great movie. And it's uh, the fictional retelling of a real meeting that happened between Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. But the film, the play, is, is fictionalizing their conversation. But one of the interesting conversations that happened is, you know, the, the struggle and argument they have, especially between the Malcolm X character and Sam Cooke. Malcolm X is saying to Sam Cooke, listen, why are you singing pandering to white audiences? Why you sit there and singing to them? You need to be singing for the struggle and the cause. And Sam Cooke argues back and says, listen, man, I'm not just singing before. I am building economic power. Do you know who owns the rights to that song the Rolling Stones just did? Me. But what they're doing going back and forth the entire time is this idea of, okay, we agree on the one thing, but the, it's this wrestling match of where do you cross the line and you, you, you bind someone's conscience? Where do you fail to hear their notes? So there has to be a new tone. And this is what the Bible would say. The Bible would say uh, to the strong, you are free to hold on to the conclusions that you've got by faith. But because there's a greater call of love, would you be willing to let go of those things if one of your brothers or sisters struggles with that conviction? 
you know, in their presence. And to the weak, he would say, listen, man, you, you can't bind people's consciences. You can't make your conscience the measure of all things because you must accept people like Christ accepts people. Now, okay, you've tolerated this little theological aside. Does it have any relevance to the church today? Anybody pay attention to what happened this past year? Yeah. Amen, it does. Anybody pay attention to how the church behaved this past year? Yeah. yeah. It has incredible relevance to the church today and its harmony. Sir? Can I say something? Uh, if, brief. Go ahead, say it brief. I'm doing well. Hey, what are you saying, though? It's right, though. Because in my life, though, I've been shot so many bad, though. But I've been so many. In my life, though, my mom is white, my father is black, though. And I've been, in my life, I'm 54, man. Just turned 54. June 21st, though. And what he said is right, though. I finally gave my life to God, though. I've been in jail, been doing bad all my life through my little boy, though. And I cry, though, because I don't know where to live, though. You know, so I want, I want all y'all people just give me a chance and let me live, though. Don't let me live, though. Okay. I just want somebody to love me, though. Thank you for that word, brother. Thank you. That's the illustration that leads to my next point. So, God is good this way. How do we make room? How do we harmonize? The early church had to learn for this diverse group of people coming from all different places to make music, to make harmony together. So let me say two things to close. Don't nobody love me. Well. Who love me though, right? Well. Nobody love me, but God don't. Nobody love me though. I would say. I'm a black, I'm a black man. Hmm. The police hate me. Women. Hmm. You're loved, man. Now who though? Nobody loves me, right? If you give me a chance, if you give me a chance, I'll love you. Let me hit these two points. Number one, how do we do this in harmony? How do we do this in harmony? It's okay. This is the church. This is the first century church. Sometimes God decides that the first century church needs to enter the doors. So two things. First of all, sharing what's precious. Sharing what's precious. Now, try to give me your attention here. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit any affection and sympathy, 
Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance of one mind. Do you hear where he started? He started with the people of God actually going, and this is how I think it works out. Keep in mind someone that you've struggled this year. You've struggled with their beliefs, you've struggled with their positions, their convictions. Maybe it's their convictions, you know, about, um, you know, they posted something about the protest, they posted something about the rioting, they posted something about the march, whatever it be, where you struggled. You struggled to go, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that person. Now step back and go this, all right. If there's any encouragement from Christ. I had a load and list of sins I could do nothing about, and God blotting them out. So did my brother and sister. I was alienated and lost without God and hope in the world. So was my brother and sister. I got transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light with my brother and sister. I was an orphan. And I know what it's like to be adopted and loved, and so does my brother and sister. They were an orphan, and they know what it's like to be loved. I was filthy. I had nowhere to go. And God decked me out and brought me into his home. That happened to my brother and sister in Christ. Once you go through that list, and then you look at that thing that you struggle with, I think it's going to look differently. And then maybe we have a chance to harmonize. Maybe we have a chance to say, you and I can meet. But the last thing, it's not just appreciating new sounds, it's making room, it's making room for other notes. You know, if someone in a group sings too loudly, or if they sing, they don't want to be on their note, then they want to sing the third instead of the fifth they were given. If they want to do that, you can't have harmony together. And if you've ever thought about it, every week we do something here, and it is an exercise of harmony. We sing together. Now, you know, Christians don't only, the Bible tells us, actually, that we don't only just sing because, well, Christians are happy people and they like to sing. Or we have this great, you know, corp, you know this great discography of music. That's not why we just sing. When you and I are singing together, we're submitting to one another. We're submitting to one another. Right? I mean, we all have to kind of like try to do the same tempo. We've got to try to do our best to sing the melody and the words at the same pace. White people have to do their best to try to clap in two and four. I mean, but here we are submitting. What would it be like if we all decided to do our own thing? It would be cacophony. Now, you might just think I'm making something up, but if you go to Ephesians 5, right after sing and make music, the writer says, submit to one another. You and I, when we realize I don't have all the gifts, and uh, I have the spiritual ability to hold back, I have the spiritual ability to give someone else the microphone. I have the spiritual ability to hear notes that you're singing that I don't sing. When you and I do that, we're actually able to sing in harmony together.
So, to close, in the book of Revelation, um, there's a lot of great singing. In fact, the, wor- the, the book of Revelation is, in many ways, a worship manual. And one of the things you notice about it is um, as we sing together, it's not just that we will have, maybe you've thought when I get to heaven I'll have a better voice. Maybe when I get to heaven I'll be able to do all that stuff. That, that, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know how that's going to work. It can't help but be an improvement, right? All of us, well, I'm sure we'll have some improvement. But the reason we'll sing in harmony together is who we've become. Because finally, the battle's going to be over, the disunity's going to be gone, and we will be one in Christ. And we will not be able to help harmonizing together. And this is all just, a, you know, every week we're coming together, we're rehearsing for that. We're rehearsing for that day. All right. It's been a fun sermon, hasn't it? Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for uh, the time we had. Thank you for the things that you bring to our attention. We pray you would help us to believe and know them. In Christ's name, amen.